So guys, um, Leon has done a great job of the last two weeks talking about um, inspiration of the Holy Scriptures, that it's inspired by God. Uh, inerrancy, that the Scriptures are without error, that they are pure and true. Um, biblical authority, we had that great first-person narrative last week talking about the Bible is our authority, not necessarily us by ourselves uh, as we share our faith. So these doctrines um, hit at the trustworthiness of the Bible and give us confidence to put our trust in it, in God's Word. Today we are going to discuss the outcome of putting our trust into God's Word. Um, just how should it affect our lives practically, um, or said another way, what is our responsibility to integrate God's truth into our minds? So we're going to be talking a lot about um, our mindset, um, and specifically, what does it look like as Christians to have a Christian worldview, to be one in mind. Um, and I love uh, Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and in mind. I just did a brief study on the word mind throughout the scriptures this week as I was preparing um, and I was so encouraged by how often God speaks in terms of renewing our mind, making sure that we're believing truth. Um, there's a lot of focus on the mind as well as the heart. Um, so anyways, we're going to dive in here this morning. Uh, I want to pray quickly. And uh, if you need a Bible, Leon has got some, some Bibles. We're going to be uh, talking through a couple of texts this morning, uh, but also just a lot of um, doctrine as well. So keep your hand up if you need a Bible. I'm just going to pray. And uh, Father God, we want to ask that you would fill this time with truth. Lord, that you would challenge us in our, our worldviews, how we are protecting our worldview that you've given us through your holy word. Lord, that we are um, working. Lord, that it's not just we're accepting whatever comes our way and believing it is truth. But Lord, that we are working to uh, guard our minds in Christ. So, Father, would you, would you lead us on that trek this morning? Guide my words. Uh, Father, maybe they be glorifying to you. Thank you for this body, Lord. Thank you that we get to be here this morning and learn about you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, all right, crew. So, how many of you have been in the midst of a conversation with somebody? Maybe it's someone on the street here in the community. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone at work. And the, the conversation leads to spiritual things, and um, they are convinced, as you talk about salvation, they are convinced that it's just about being a better person, morality. Um, that's often the answer I get when I ask somebody, you know, the corner store questionnaire, why would God let you into to heaven? Uh, I often hear, well, I'm not sure that he would, but these are some things that I've done. Um, so anyway, uh, so you work hard in that conversation to ask questions that would help them um, to, to really think about what they're saying, um, that maybe there's an error in their belief system. Um, so you're asking these questions, you're trying to figure this out in conversation. Maybe they have an improper uh, view of the role of grace in salvation. Yet no matter how hard you try, uh, they still don't get it. There's like a, a cement wall. It's as if they can't even hear your points to the contrary. Guys, this is a worldview issue. 
The way we have learned or been taught to view the world, are they, um, in that conversation, is off as far as a Christian worldview. There's a lie in their inner core or belief. Their worldview totally blocks the new or correct information. That's how strong our worldviews are. It allows us to either hear something or not hear it. I don't think we think about that very often, that each and every person has a worldview. And I know you're saying, Eric, what is a a worldview? Do I have one of these? (laughs) Yes, you do. Um, That's the simple answer. Do I have a worldview? Yes. Uh, You have a worldview, and it is um, constantly changing. Adapting to your experiences, to your studies. Um, I would argue it's like the most complex self-learning computer that you can ever imagine or think of. Um, We're familiar with learning computers, right, guys? I mean, they're man-made. Have you guys ever heard of something? It's not a... It's not necessarily a personal computer, but if you heard of a thermostat called the Nest, have you guys heard of that? It's this new thermostat that has come out. They've swapped um, some of the screen information with like an iPhone, so it's like a touch screen illumination. Anyway, it's a pretty expensive thermostat, but the argument is, or the, the sales pitch is, that it, it learns your climate control. And so you set it for four or five days to all the adjustments that you want. You just treat it like a normal thermostat. You get up in the morning, you turn it, turn it up. You go to bed at night, you turn it down. When you go to work, you turn it down. And it learns your schedule. It learns what temperature you like it at what times in the day. And then it continues on. It's, it's a self-learning thermostat. I think it's pretty cool. I want to get one, but I don't have $250 to get one right now. Um, Anyway, my point being, uh, this is just a small glimpse, a small example of the way our worldviews are constantly learning, constantly adapting, constantly taking information in, synthesizing it, and causing us to make decisions, to do actions, to have belief systems. So let's define worldview. A worldview is a framework of ideas and beliefs Okay, a framework of ideas and beliefs through which an individual interprets the world and interacts with it. So again, interpretation and interacting. In brief, a worldview has been described not as um, what someone sees necessarily, but it's the lens, um, but it's what one sees with, like a like a pair of glasses. And so we're going to use that analogy a lot as we go through the sermon this morning, imagine your worldview, not necessarily is your, your brain, but it's what your brain works through. It's what you, not only, it's, it's how you interpret the signs all around you and the reactions that you live in light of all of your actions. Does that make sense? Worldview? So I know it's a new term to some of us, but... Um, so... So that is the definition. And just to give you some more criteria for which to gauge um, how big, how broad worldview is, uh, each and every one of us has um, presuppositions. Um, Each one of us has the ways that we operate, that we deem are correct, true, um, in regards to relationships, in regards to cultural institutions, 
church, in regards to community, government, in regards to creation, environment, economics, your vocation, your job, uh, science, technology, uh, again, religion, spirituality, education, development, all these areas. And this, isn't, this is not exhaustive. <laughs> again, um, we would be amiss to sit here today and say, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm believing the four or five big categories of worldview, which we're going to get into, um, which we're going to talk about from a Christian standpoint, um, what the Bible says. But, it, it, but it, all of that affects this. <laughs> it affects them, our whole lives. Does that make sense? Are you guys, guys with me here? So, so as we jump into this, um, let's put on our, our Christian worldview glasses. Uh, again, the goal of uh, a Christian is to have every thought, action, decision be filtered through God's word um, and take into account our relationship with God. So, you guys ready? We're going to put our glasses on? Yeah. Put our glasses on? It's <laughs> my buddy. Okay, so this is a, this is a diagram that um, I hope will help us consider even more the process of our worldview. Um, I was sitting with, with Nate Egger earlier this week, and he helped me come up with this diagram. So you've got your brain, right? Um, and you've got a pair of glasses, which is your worldview. And first and foremost, as a Christian, we're hoping that that worldview is directly guided and shaped by God, first and foremost. And the way that it is shaped and guided by God, if you see the arrows first going down um, to spiritual disciplines, and so the way that we shape our worldview is by praying, spending time reading God's word, studying God's word, being doing evangelism, um, um, fasting, praying, I already said praying, spiritual disciplines. Does that make sense? So we, we, we focus our attention, our direction, our eyesight on God, and we, we do spiritual disciplines, and all of that comes back in and shapes the way we think, and then the way that we move in the world, out through life decisions. Does that make sense? So life decisions would be, again, the way we view education, are we going to homeschool? Are we going to put our schools in education? Are we going to, um, how are we going to operate as a family? What are we going to do with retirement? Um, what are we going to do with our career? All of those life decisions are definitely affected, directly affected by our worldview. And again, so why is it so important that we even talk about this this morning? Again, I said already that each one of us is like a really, really um, intense computer constantly taking information, gauging if it's true or not, and letting it shape us. Well, we have to be very careful because I would say that the default lifestyle is to watch the news every night and just take blindly whatever bent the news is coming from. Um, listen to NPR and just say, oh, okay, I'm starting to believe what you're saying about this particular ethical decision or this. Um, and we have to realize that Christianity is not the most broad, common worldview in our culture today. Uh, I would say our worldview is much more commonly postmodern, which we're going to get into later, um, and all that follows along with postmodern, but basically just more truth is relative, is a big presupposition of uh, the postmodern worldview. And so, again, if you're living in a world where everybody 
not everybody, but a majority of people might be seeing life through a particular worldview. Um, but you're saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is the son of God, that he has died for my sin, and I put my faith in him. But I don't know how that affects my worldview. Well, that's why we're here today. We're going to talk about how does that affect my worldview? Um, what responsibility do I have as a Christian to guard that? And, uh, and again, to, to even bring this even more home, there is a very... So I just basically talked about this battle that's going on for our worldview right now. Read Ephesians 6 with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of requests. That's the type of fighting we're talking about here, fam. We have a very real foe that desires each and every one of us that Jesus is bought by his own blood to begin to question God's truth. Is God good by, by implementing lies in our belief system? Um, and that's why as a Christian, we, we take the offensive. We move forward. We study. What's the only offensive weapon that's listed here in the... Um, uh, it's in verse 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so with the word of God, we constantly renew our minds with truth. Um, ultimately, I mean, I could sit down right now and say, OK, guys, go study your Bibles. That's how you develop a good worldview. <laughs> and that's true. We're going to try to break that down a little bit more. I know we don't have enough time to go through the whole Bible this morning, <laughs> but that's why you're at Mac Ave, Hopefully that's why you're in discipleship. And we're constantly working through what does it mean to renew our minds with God's truth in all areas of life. That's a goal. That's the goal. But I want you to hear that it is a spiritual battle. And that ultimately the weapon that God has given us is his word. So be encouraged, family. And even, even with that, I just wanted to give a few examples as I was um, praying about this specifically. How do we, how do we make sure that we're um, believing what clear biblical truth is. So a couple of clear biblical truths. There is one God, um, but yet oftentimes there's attacking lies that might say, it's okay if you believe a different God, though. Do we, do we say that because we just want to be nice to that person? Um, are we afraid that we can't articulate clearly um, who, our, who our God is? I just want to encourage you, family, that uh, relativism... More than one roads lead to God is a very, very pervasive thought in our world today. Um, but it's one that the Bible disagrees with. The Bible says, no, there's, there's one true God who created all, who created you and I in his image. 
And um, it actually is sin. It hurts his heart when we say, you know, actually, you can believe whatever you want. That doesn't mean we make decisions for people. We don't control people. But we're honest. No, this is what I believe is true. I'd love to talk about this more with you. I'm not trying to shove it down your throat. But the... But don't, but don't go to the, the other side and say, well, I guess, you know, they can just believe whatever they want. They're going to anyway, and they will, but don't be convinced in your heart that it's okay. Clear biblical truth. Do not look at a woman lustfully. It's clear throughout scriptures. I don't know, guys, how many times we hear that thought, that's okay just to look once. Or I can just, you know, I'm just walking down the street and, oh, it's a beautiful woman. I'm just admiring her. No, the biblical truth is clear. Don't look at a woman lustfully. Attacking lies will constantly come at us men in that realm. Clear biblical truth. Pursue unity of the body. Attacking lies. Coming left and right. Oh, it's okay to vent about that fellow church member. I'm just venting. It's okay. No, family, the clear biblical truth is to pursue unity in the body. We need accountability. Clear biblical truth. Oftentimes, uh, you and I, I'm at fault to this just as much as I know uh, there are other people in this room as well. Life would be so much easier if I didn't have him or her speaking into it. Less drama. I wouldn't have to make decisions like I do. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we all need accountability. That there's um, that God has actually set up image bearers all around you to remind you what he says. You can uh, Another biblical truth, the heart is deceitful. We are prone to sin. But I'm telling you, when you're in the moment, emotions are strong. There's things saying, oh, you can blindly trust your emotions. They've got to be right. I feel this way. I feel that way. Again, family, do we believe the clear biblical truth, though, that the heart, our hearts are deceitful, that we need to keep close rein on them, that just because I feel a certain way doesn't necessarily mean it's true or it's right? So those are just a few small examples of what I would propose happens to us each and every day when there are... Um, lies in our belief system from opposing worldviews that just kind of kind of catch us off guard. And again, family, the goal is not perfection here. The goal is to fight. The goal is to say, but I want to, at the end of the day, I want to know what God's word says. I want to know what is true. Because then, and only then, will I be most satisfied and happy in him when I'm living out the way that he created me to live. And so now we're just going to go through a couple of slides with uh, just really basic, I, I know a lot of you are saying, okay, well, worldview is almost so broad, well, how do we break it down? Um, and this is just a common scheme that um, many academics break down worldview. There's, oh, I, I forgot that I had the slide in here. This is just, um, again, the present danger is that God, um, in front of our glasses, our worldview, would be removed and world would be put there instead. So that's the, the constant battle that we have. So, main components of a Christian worldview. So, we're going to go through um, five of the main components and uh, just briefly look at a a short text. 
um, and how do we interact with those? So these are these are the questions that all worldviews ask. Is there only one true God? Is God personal or impersonal? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, I don't have time to get into the, the doctrine of the Trinity. We have a, a God who is one, who is also triune, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't let that take away from the reality that there is, there is still only one true God, according to Deuteronomy 6, 4. And he's a very personal God. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? The body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do you not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them? Are you much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, with all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes the grass, the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, um, and sorry, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will be uh, not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith. Huge debate amongst the worldviews. A, is there a God? Is there one God? Is there multiple gods? Um, and is that God personal? Does it care about, does he carry about your, your daily life? Or is he impersonal? And, you know, like a deistic um, worldview would say, it's like God set the world like a clock, wound it, and he left, and he's no longer present. The Bible says otherwise. The Bible says that we are God's creation um, forefront and foremost, and that he cares about us dearly. Reality. What is the ultimate purpose of the universe? How did the universe come into being? Huge questions when it comes to worldview. How did all that's around us get here? Now, you and I um, at MacAv, especially having just gone through Genesis last year, <laughs> hopefully we'd be able to answer these questions pretty quickly as we jump back into Genesis. But the Bible says clearly, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. So the universe didn't just, just didn't come by chance or mistake, but no, God intentionally created the heavens and the earth. He created the universe. And again, um, for sake of time, I'm not going to continue to read every one of these verses, but, but I just want to point out the first verse here. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set the, your glory above the heavens. The ultimate purpose of the universe, which God created, is to glorify himself, is to bring glory to the creator. That's what the Bible teaches everybody. That's the ultimate end. It's not just for us to have ours and get ours today. But no, the ultimate purpose of the universe is to bring glory to God. That he would be the master um, piece. He'd be the sculptor. He'd be the creator. So knowledge. Knowledge is another huge component of worldview. Questions like, what is the relationship between religious faith and reason? Is knowledge about God possible? Where does, where does knowledge come from? Those are huge questions that are debated um, in the worldview topics. 
Second um, Peter two, I'm sorry, one two through eight. Uh, is, I love Paul has a great uh, declaration here about knowledge and where it comes from. That it comes from God. Um, that it comes by faith, and that God gives us knowledge. But that all knowledge, first and foremost, comes from God, and it is possible to know Him through Jesus Christ. And I just want to point out to you, there's a handout that um, I know you guys are busy trying to take notes. There is a handout that also has, that we'll get when we leave, that has just a list of common worldviews. Um, so I want to make sure that you know that's available as well. Morality is um, the next major component in, in worldview. And asking questions like, are humans programmed with right and wrong? Where does it come from? Is morality subjective or objective? Does morality transcend culture? Huge questions, huge questions. Again, God says in Genesis 26 through 28, and this is, this is huge. I even listened to um, a debate on NPR last week where uh, they were putting together a story about morality and where does it come from. And, and the worldview that was being professed was that... Um, it's, in, it's almost like instinctual, that it just comes from um, birth, but nobody knows where it comes from, our moral, our moral compass, if you will. But again, if we remember from Genesis, who were we created in the image of? We were created in the image of God, first and foremost. And so we know that our forefathers, Adam and Eve, sinned and no longer had a perfect moral compass, but human beings started with God's moral compass. We, we began with an amazingly pure moral compass, and it didn't just come from birth. It didn't just come from our ancestors. Well, it did, but it came from God, <laughs> who we would say is our, um, our creator. And so the Christian worldview, again, says that, no, morality um, does transcend culture. It's not okay for one culture to kill babies and one culture not to, and that's okay for them because they're a different culture. No. Morality comes from God who created us because we're created in his image. Um, so it's, it's, it's not subjective. Now, there are different laws of the land, but I'm not going to get into to that today. We're just talking about morality in general. Um, and then the last one, humankind. Are human beings free or merely pawns? Is there life after death? These are just a few of the questions that go along with, with humankind. And uh, Romans 9, I think, just does such a great job of articulating, um, again, a Christian worldview stems with God created. God began all things. And so one of you will say, then why does God still blame us for who resists his will? But who are you, O oh man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the same right uh, to make out of the same lump of clay something for pottery for noble purposes, um, for common use? What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory. And I know it's a very loaded passage, um, but it hints at this reality 
again, that the Bible, that we, uh, that we, we clearly, um, we came from God, that he is a sovereign hand, that he leads and guides his children, um, and that human beings are not merely just a material being, but we are spiritual as well. So, family, I want to point out those same five categories, what the postmodern worldview would say in response. And again, there are many different worldviews which you'll have on the handout as we leave, but, but this, I would say, is probably the, the most preeminent in our culture today um, amongst non, non-believers. So, God, if he or she exists, they have nothing to say about um, how we should live now. So again, if God exists, they should have nothing to say about how that's that would be the postmodern worldview on on God. On reality, we are all created. Um, we all create our own reality. And so again, this idea that there is no transcendent um, idea of reality or no purpose isn't that sad to realize that so many in our culture today believe this knowledge. That there's no absolute truth. It is true only if you believe it. <laughs> that puts an awful lot of power on one person, let me tell you. Morality. All moral values are relative. People and cultures develop their own values. Humankind. Huge emphasis, guys. Big emphasis on individualism and tolerance. Um, this is what each and every one of us is up against as we develop our worldview. So, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there's even some of us in this room that are saying, yeah, actually, I, I might agree with some of that. And I want to challenge you. What does God say? I would love to talk more about this, but um, it's, again, I was at a Starbucks this past week, and there's been a, a guy that I've been talking to when I study up there who comes in frequently. And uh, our first conversation, um, I could see pretty clearly that he, he, he didn't subscribe to the Christian worldview. Um, but yet, he was very open to coming down, visiting Macab, checking us out, hanging out with the people. Um, so I thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, we'll see. And, uh, and I, I ran into him later that same week. And um, it was just funny because he had, he had just gotten pulled over for, uh, and gotten a ticket. <laughs> and... He was kind of going off, and he, and he was just saying, see, I always have bad karma. And I'm like, wait a minute, did you just say last time we talked that you were a Christian? <laughs> and so it was, just, it was just interesting to see like, how, how, um, how mixed our worldviews can be, how confused our worldviews can be, um, even as proclaimed Christians. You know, another example from a book that I was reading, a physics student involved in a, a Christian ministry on a campus. He was a regular, he had regular quiet times, shared his faith, um, purchases, um, prescribes to personal purity in his relationships. Uh, yet, um, they learned, or yet that this ministry learned that he was okay with same-sex relationships and didn't understand why, uh, again, that that was a worldview issue. That's a worldview issue. What do we say um, is part of our worldview? And the problem is, family, uh, <laughs> in, our, in our, this postmodern worldview, 
I don't know if you guys remember the uh, the where's where's the beef episode from Wendy's back in the day. I, I love that the old lady is looking for the beef. But where's the truth, y'all? And we have it in God's word. <laughs> how do we how do we continue to attain this God's truth through prayer, through consistently studying God's word, through forming convictions? So again, it's not just enough to to study and read God's word but actually go to the next step and, and form convictions that are based on God's word. We can have a whole lot of knowledge, but if it doesn't come across in our, in our actions and our decisions, then we realize that our convictions are not formed. And modeling those convictions with integrity, not just here on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, in this community, at our vocations, with our family members. Family, this is hard. So... I wanted to also remind us that this is not simply um, an intellectual exercise, our worldview. We are, we, are con- we are a people that are quite complex. And even though I would like to sit here and say that it's just these, these verses, this clarifies our worldview, let's move forward, let's believe truth. I realize that each and every one of us in here is an emotional being and we have different backgrounds that we are constantly fighting um, more than just to believe truth. Um, so, So viewing this world through a Christian worldview, God's glasses involves more than just correct theological stances. It's expedient that we also view ourselves as God views us. Do you view yourself as a dearly loved child of God, filled with value and worth? Or do you see yourself as a worthless person? Do you like who God has created you to be? Do you struggle with self-worth? Do you often wish that you could be someone else? I'm pretty sure that a lot of us in this room, um, me for one, (laughs) has a hard time saying, Uh, No, I don't struggle with those questions. Well, let me encourage you, family, in who God, how God views us, is that we are dearly loved children of great worth. Um, The enemy wants you to believe, and me to believe, that we don't have purpose, that God can't use us, that we are too broken. Um, Family, none of that is true. And if you believe that, it will skew your whole worldview. So we need to fight to believe that truth. This past weekend, uh, I watched uh, that, the movie Invincible. I don't know how many of you guys have seen Invincible with Mark Wahlberg, one of my favorite actors, by the way. He, um, in it, he plays, it's actually based on a true story. In it, he plays um, a young man from Philadelphia back in the 70s. And uh, yeah, he, he's downtrodden. He's a bartender. He's a substitute teacher that loses work and doesn't have a whole lot going for him in a city that is kind of struggling with what Detroit also struggled with, the whole um, demise of um, uh, big industries like steel, cars, all of that. So everybody's losing their jobs. So it's kind of a a pitiful situation. And on top of that, he comes home one night uh, to a house, an apartment that has been emptied by his wife of five years, and she simply leaves a note. says, we're done. You'll never go anywhere. You'll never make a name for yourself. And you'll never make any money. That's what the note said. 
And the funny thing is, is that throughout the rest of this movie, it's actually a really neat movie, um, but throughout the rest of this movie, he goes on, he tries out for the unthinkable to make the professional football team, the Eagles, and he makes the team, but it shows him throughout his times in the warm-up and the, and, the, and, the, and the workout facility getting ready for training, so he'll pull his note out and he'll study it, put it back on the shelf, and then go about his life. And I sat there and I thought, man, how many of us have a note in our mind, something similar to that? Maybe it was something my dad said when we were growing up. Maybe it was something an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend said. But you'll never be anything. And, and family, I'm not, I'm not up here to simply proclaim um, <laughs> to feel better and we're all about feeling good in, in this church. But, but those lies are very, impo- very impacting, very powerful, and they can control us. And the truth of the matter is that, no, God created us in his image, everyone. Yes, we are sinful, but Jesus has paid the cost. He's paid the price for our sin if you put your faith in him. And so even though we might still struggle with habitual sin, maybe our, our human parents failed us, we still struggle with habitual sin, but do we still believe at the end of the day that, are we, that we are loved and that we are beautiful to God? Whatever it is, there are lies that can short-circuit our worldview. So family, in addition to holding to these core components of what a Christian worldview is and fighting for those in community, in Christ, because again, I, I think of, you're going to have a very off-focused, off-kiltered worldview if you're trying to do this without community. You need a biblical community to sharpen one another, to present God's word to one another, to call out sin in one another's lives. And again, that's one of the, the blessings that God has brought about at MacAv. And so we praise him for that. My family, I wanted to, again, twofold, that we need to fight for our worldview, that we do, each and every one of us, have a worldview, and we need to fight to continue to protect it, to grow it, and specifically, that it's not just intellectual, but also how we view ourselves. And the truth of the matter, again, is that we are creating God's image with purpose, dignity, and worth, and great value. So hear me here, family. So will you commit to pursuing a Christ-centered worldview uh, with this body of believers, or with whatever, if you're visiting with the body that you're associated with? That's the question on the table today. Will you commit to continue um, that battle? Because it is one. It's not something that you're going to get one day. And, okay, good, my worldview is set. I never have to worry about it again. No, it's constantly evolving and growing. And we want to pray that it grows for the better. That it's, that it's becoming more truth-filled as we get older. So, family, um, we... Uh, I am going the wrong way here. I want to move on to a time of... Um, sorry, I have a reading list. Also, these are just some books that I, I cited as I, I studied this week. Um, Love Your God with All of Your Mind. Great book by J.P. Moreland. I highly recommend it. Worldviews in Conflict. And then a, a new book coming out soon. Default Christianity. You see that on the shelf? Um... But family, again, if you are, um, we're going to move to a time of tithe and communion. Um, and again, we, 
We do tithe every week here at MacAv, and we are also we always want to be very clear that tithe is not just uh, this exercise where a basket passes in front of us and we put some money in it, but but this is a time of worship. So actually, if you're visiting MacAv, we actually ask you to just keep your your purses, your wallets to your side. Um, we ask that this is a time of worship for the family that's gathered here. If you are a believer and you're visiting with us and you get that and you want to give, you're welcome to. Uh, but again, this is not giving under compulsion whatsoever. Um, we do this out of worship for our King, out of our God. So after we, uh, with the, the, the tithe gentlemen are going to come down. And um, as soon as the tithe gentlemen uh, take the tithe, then we're going to do communion down front. And again, family, um, we take communion.